Welcome to the Relentless DC Podcast. We are a life-giving multicultural church in the DC metro area. To find out more, visit us at RelentlessDC.com. We hope you enjoy this new episode. What I what I so appreciate about this house, and even though I'm I'm new here, what I so appreciate is the second <clears throat> I met Pastor Malik and I could tell that y'all love the presence. <laughs> and I'm thankful for that because how many of you know that his presence is our everything? And I'm not going to keep you too long this morning. I, I feel like most of the most of the sermon, most of the message has already happened in his presence. But this morning I want to just share a couple of thoughts with you about praise and worship. Because a lot of people think that praise is the fast songs and worship is the slow songs. And how many of y'all know that's not the case, right? So can I have just a few moments this morning to share with you in my heart about the power of praise and worship and why each and every one of us are worshipers first and everything else second? Come on, let's lift our hands. Holy Spirit, we invite you. Just continue to pour out your spirit more and more and more and more. Friends, I'm telling you, some of you in here, you feel like you'll never be free from certain addictions and certain things, but there is a spirit of deliverance here this morning, and it's deeper than any other lover. It's deeper than any other temptation. Father, grip our hearts, that true deliverance. It's love for Jesus, man. Lord, we just say yes. Come on, this is a house of deliverance, and I love that. So, Lord, we just come into agreement with your power, with your spirit. Lord, deliver us. Deliver me, Lord, from every other lover. We want to be yours and yours alone. Lord, open up. Illuminate the scriptures to us. Lord, let there be a spirit of revelation and wisdom in the knowledge of you today. We thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, amen. Well, I'm just so honored to be here with you guys this morning. <clears throat> For those who don't know, my name is Rick Pino, and uh, my wife and I, we live in Austin, Texas, which is the live music capital of the world. Did y'all know that? On any given night of the week, there are anywhere from 600 to 1,000 bands playing live. And even through the pandemic, that stayed up pretty high because we're Texan. We just, we're cray up out there. You know what I'm saying? <clears throat> And when I heard that uh, years ago, I begin to dream with the Lord. My wife and I begin to dream with the Lord. What would it look like if the live music capital became the live worship capital? And so we've been there in Austin now for eight, almost nine years, just plowing. We're raising up. We call them musicianaries. They're musical missionaries who are foolish enough to believe that their worship can transform cities, regions, and nations. And y'all, it's happening. It's happening in my city. It's crazy. We're, we're training up and raising up these musical prophets. And the, I mean, you know, on every street corner and even in the mall, y'all, like in, in Target, in Walmart, there's live music. And so we're sending our people out there to the streets, you know, in the malls and stuff. And people are walking by and they're saying, when you were three years old, you were abandoned by your mother. And the person went, what? What? But the Lord says over you, I've never left you. I've never forsaken you. What? How do you know this? 
I mean, like the, the prophetic oracles that are coming out are absolutely insane. Could you imagine just minding your own business, going to the mall and someone starts singing your story to you? You go from atheism to, oh, God is real really quick. What? How did you know? And so we're, we're putting these, these musicianaries in the streets and our whole heart is, man, we'll cross the street or we'll cross oceans. And it's been incredible guys that the favor that the Lord's been giving us. Can I tell you a couple testimonies? And I'll share a couple scriptures with you. Um, so for years we've been hosting daily worship and prayer sets, extended daily worship and prayer sets. And we're just going in there, just, just pounding it out. You know what I'm saying? Just in there worship like this, just, just pouring it out and just lavishing God and just going after it. And sometimes there's a bunch of people. Most of the time it's only, you know, 10, 15 people in there. We're just going after it. Well, how many of you guys have ever heard of the, the music festival South by Southwest? Yeah. It's one of the largest, actually, I think it is the largest music festival in the nation. Uh, 200,000 people every year come to Austin and every single place that you could think of becomes a music venue and the whole city for two weeks is one gigantic music festival. It's insane, y'all. And they got everything from hip hop to singer songwriter, um, country, you know, all, all, all the, all the vibes are there, but they never had worship there. And so we've been praying and asking the Holy spirit, Lord, give us a door into this festival because we believe that like we're singing today, every other throne is under your throne. Every other kingdom is under your kingdom. So we're just going for it in prayer every single day. Boom, boom, boom. Well, all of a sudden, one day I receive an email and it's from the, the board of South by Southwest. And they said, Mr. Pino, we'd like to invite you to come be a guest at South by Southwest this year. I'm like, what? I mean, first of all, this is cool. Second of all, y'all know what kind of music we do, don't you? Anyways, uh, I did some digging and I found there's this precious lady who was coming to our prayer meetings. I had no clue who she was, you know, cause they're open to the public. She was coming in and getting wrecked in the presence, like almost every day, just soaking with us and just lavishing Jesus going after it in worship and come to find out she's on the board of South by Southwest. And she, her own testimony, she wasn't, she wasn't quite a hundred percent with God, but she was kind of hungry. Somebody somewhere, I don't know how they told him what, man, she's like, man, I just need God, man. I, I believe in God. I don't really, I'm not really in, encountering him or, you know, I just need more of God. And someone said, well, this guy Pino over here, he's got a crew and they're worshiping every single day. She's like, what? And they're like, yeah, every single day. So she found us. I had no clue. She started coming in and just soaking in it with us. Like we're doing here today, but like seven, eight hours a day just on and on and on. She got so wrecked. She goes to the board and she's like, have you guys ever considered having a worship stage at South by Southwest? And literally the, the board goes, what is a worship stage? She goes, you know, for worship. And she goes, worship, what's that? They, they literally had no clue what worship was. It's a completely secular event. She goes, well, listen, there's this guy here in town and I think we should invite him to this. And the board kind of, she told me this afterward. I found it afterward. The board kind of looked at her and was like, uh, all right, why not? Let's invite him. 
And here's the crazy part, y'all. So the board of South by Southwest, you can't just like become an official part of South by Southwest, pick your own venue and then do your own thing. They have to, there's a lot of structure in place. So they have to commission you with a venue. And so they might put you in, like I said, they might put you at the mall. They might put you at this music venue. They might put you on the street over here in this, you know, um, open air kind of, you know, amphitheater, whatever. So not only did they invite us to come, but they said, you know, we'd like for you to come. We said, sure, we'd love to. We'd be honored. Um, can we come and do 12 hours of nonstop worship? And they responded back, sure. Like, what? <laughs> like, sure, if that's your thing, come do your thing. I'm like, all right. So we got the credentials back. And the credentials said this, you know, we're so excited to have you. Uh, you're going to be our first worship stage ever in the history of this festival. And here is your venue that you've been commissioned with. And do y'all know what the venue name was that they commissioned us to? St. David's Tabernacle. I was like, what? I was like, St. David's Tabernacle? What the? I didn't even know we had a St. David's Tabernacle. So we looked it up and guess what? It's in the dead center of the whole entire festival. Lift your hands. I got to declare something over you. Never underestimate the power of a small, boring prayer or worship meeting. Everything in the kingdom starts small and boring. Everything in the kingdom starts humble. Everything in the kingdom starts seemingly insignificant to the natural eyes. But God is not doing the math with things that we can see only God lives in a realm called exceedingly God lives in a realm called abundantly God lives in a realm called above all you could ask above all you could think above all you can imagine so we said St. David's Tabernacle this is nuts now I found out from your girl from my girl uh, I found out from my friend who had put this all on, she goes, and you're never going to believe this. They, 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 it was almost like a joke, like what worship, <laughs> fine, give them a stage. And they were like, they're, you know, and the venue is pretty large and they're like, no one's going to come to a worship event. Like we don't even know what that is. And she was like, I don't know. Like this guy pulls people, he's going to worship. They're going to go for it. And so anyways, long story short, you, I blew the trumpet and I'm like, guys, first ever worship stage. We're going to exalt Jesus at St. David's tabernacle in the middle of the whole festival. I need y'all to turn up, show up. Let's go. Let's exalt Jesus. And y'all, it was so packed. There was, we overflowed, spilled out of the building. The fire marshals had to come. The board sent people over to come see what was going on. They come, they get encountered by the presence of God. Like no one's even... I call it presence evangelism. It's not like we're not coming up and say, brother, if you died tonight, would you go to heaven? We're just like worshiping God. They come into the midst and they're like, oh, I need to get saved. Oh my God. What's that? Like, so long story short. Hey, so the Lord is up to something guys. And so anyways, that is, that is part of what's going on in Austin, Texas. 
and uh, we're just so excited. Um, I'm also very excited because uh, I was talking with my brother, Chris Petrot, who uh, connected me to Pastor Malik um, years ago here in the DMV. Um, this is probably 12 years ago. Um, I was part of, of hosting a 50 hour nonstop worship gathering. How many were there? Did, was anybody there? Yeah. A bunch of people were there and, uh, it was nuts. Anyways, the Lord has been speaking and we're coming back and we're going to do another one in 2022. And I'm believing God, we're going to gather thousands of people. The, the last one we had is probably 3000 people. And just, could you imagine this right here? What we just did for the past hour and a half. Let's do it for 50 hours nonstop. Guys, I'm telling you, we are about to see David's tabernacle restored. And here's the punchline, guys. David's tabernacle, and this isn't even my message, just a little uh, a freebie for you, all right? David's tabernacle is not just about, uh, you know, sitting in a room all day long. David, he was all kinds of different things. He wasn't just a sweet psalmist. He was a king. He was a politician. He was a businessman. He was an inventor. He was a father. He was a warrior. So guess what? When we begin to lavish our affection on Jesus in this place, the byproduct is actually societal transformation in that place. There is a throne that is above every other throne. There is a kingdom that is above every other kingdom. And we were talking earlier, you know, the best way to dethrone a power or a principality is to simply establish a greater power or principality. Anyways, that's what I want to talk to you guys uh, about this morning. Let's let's turn it in the word together to Second Chronicles and Pastor Malik. Just let me know on time or if we need to transition or anything. And uh, he said, "Flow." He said, "Flow." Relentless, y'all is relentless. Let's give it up for the worship team this morning. My God, Woo. I was nuts and. Uh, I'm just excited. So second Chronicles, I want to talk to you guys a little bit today about uh, the power of praise and worship. How many of you know that we are worshipers first and we are everything else second? Let me break it down for you. You're a worshiper, comma, barista. You're a worshiper, comma, car salesman. You're a worshiper, comma, pastor. You're a worshiper, comma, mother, father. You are a worshiper first and in everything else second. How many of you have ever had a prayer answered by Jesus before? Let me see. Isn't that the best feeling in the world? When you see, oh my gosh, he is answering my prayers. Well, how many of y'all know that Jesus has a prayer too? And me and you get to answer the prayer of Jesus. Here's how he said, remember Jesus' prayer? He said, Father, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let me submit something to you this morning. What are they doing in heaven right now? They're worshiping. They're not praying for the sick. That's wonderful. And keep praying for the sick now. They're not preaching to the lost. That's wonderful. Please keep preaching to the lost now. But when we talk about heaven and earth coming together, there's a lot of theology about uh, heaven invading earth and it's having to do with, you know, miracles and gold dust. And, and I love all of that. Yes, yes, yes. But the center of it all is not about signs. It's about a man. And so when we say Jesus 
let the DMV look just like heaven. You know what that really means? Jesus, let, let a worship movement rise out of this region. That is multicultural, multi-denominational. It's young, it's old, it's black, white, Latino, Asian. It's this side, it's that side. It's all of it together. And so I'm just praying, let's, let's ask him right now, Lord, we're asking you that you would just break into this region once again, Lord, with a spirit of unity. Lord, I pray right now that you would break down every agenda from the enemy. Lord, we ask that you would push back the powers of darkness. Lord, as we raise the canopy of your presence, the tent peg of your presence, hosting your presence, Lord, that you would push everything back. Lord, raise up a powerful, unified worship movement out of this region. And let it be a sign and a wonder to the whole entire nation. And Lord, I thank you for those things that have come from the outside and gathered here. But Lord, I ask that this next wave would start here and then spill to the outside in the name of Jesus. So here's the thing. I believe that we are seeing the tabernacle of David being restored. And what this means, it's not just day and night worship. It's day and night worship that leads unto societal transformation. There's a reason. Did y'all know that David had a 33 year long worship meeting? It was called the Tabernacle of David. He had 4,000 uh, musicians, 288 singers, and 4,000 gatekeepers or administrative staff. So he's got almost 9,000 people, and their full time job is to host the presence of God. And he put real money into this. He put real money into this because he so valued the presence. He said, Lord, we're going to put real money into this. Could you imagine supporting a full-time 9,000-person staff? That's expensive. But David said, no, we want your presence more than anything. Because how many of you know, before there was a key of David, before there was a city of David, before there was a psalm of David, there was a tabernacle in David's heart long before any of that stuff. And so I believe that we are in a moment right now where God is raising up worship again and he is sweeping the body of Christ. He's gripping young people like we are having lead us in worship today and he's going to absolutely accelerate them to the front of the line and he's going to cause you to become the head and not the tail. You're going to be blessed in the city, blessed in the field, blessed when you come, blessed when you go. Because guys, it's all about worship. If it wasn't, then why would the devil go, hey, Jesus, I'll give all of this to you on one condition, that you worship me. Even the enemy knows it's all about worship. There are many different worship movements all across the earth right now. There's a worship movement called abortion. There's a worship movement called pornography. There's all these other 24-7 worship movements, and God is saying, no, no, no. I'm going to raise up the real worship movement. And it's not about this denomination, this guy, that gal, this, you know, the red, the blue. It's not about any of this stuff. It's about me. And it's about my people coming together and hosting my presence. And from that place, the byproduct is societal transformation. Second Chronicles chapter 20. I want to break this down for y'all here. We're going to look at a couple of really cool stories. <clears throat> and before we go any further, let me break this down for you. Okay. So praise and worship is not the fast songs and the slow songs. 
The first place we see the word worship mentioned is in the book of Genesis. It's in Genesis 22, and it's the story of Abraham when he's getting ready to take Isaac up to the mountain. This is interesting because the first place that worship is mentioned, it's not connected to singing and it's not connected to music, as awesome as those things are. The first place that worship is mentioned, it's connected to an altar and it's connected to laying the treasure of your heart upon the altar. Come on, lift your hands. I got to declare this over you. So Father, today we're asking that you would stir up a spirit of worship on the inside of us. Lord, that we would be men and women who build altars to your presence. Lord, that we would take the treasures of our life and lay them upon the altar. Lord, that you would send fire upon the altar in a fresh way, in a new way, we ask you. In the name of Jesus. So that word there, Abraham is taking Isaac up to the mountain. He says, okay, y'all stay here. The boy and I are going to go up and worship. And that word worship, there's the word shakah. It means to bow your head below your heart. Or in other words, it means to bow your natural intellect below what the spirit is saying to your soul. Sometimes the natural mind goes, no, 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 this ain't a good idea. But when you bow that natural intellect and you say, no, God said, and you bow that down, that's worship. So that's where worship comes from. Praise is actually connected. There are seven Hebrew words for praise in the Bible. I don't have time this morning, but there are seven Hebrew words for praise. And every single one of them are external expressions. You have the word yada, which means to raise or shoot the hands. You have the word tomar, which means to strike or play the strings. You got the word barak, which means to bow low. You've got the word tehila, which means to uh, burst into spontaneous thanksgiving. You got the word halal, which means to basically lose your mind. Spin around like a wild top. And get undignified. So you've got all of these words that are external expressions. So let me break this down for you this morning. Then we're going to look at this. Worship is internal engagement. And praise is external expression. It's not fast and slow. It's internal engagement. And it's connected to external expression. Can these two concepts overlap? Absolutely. They do all the time. So it's not about, we're going to praise and then we're going to worship. No, no, no. We are going to engage internally. And as we engage with the Lord in thanksgiving and praise and worship internally, we can't help but have an external expression called praise. Anyways, I don't got time this morning, y'all. Second Chronicles chapter 20. For the sake of time, I'll give you guys the paraphrases you can check about later. Second Chronicles chapter 20. How many of y'all know that your praise is a weapon and it's a weapon of mass destruction against the enemy? A lot of times what the enemy wants you to do is to get you to look at him. But God says, no, lift your vision higher. We were talking this morning again with Pastor Malik and them. And here's my conviction. When we worship, we are not trying to break through from this reality into heaven. A lot of times when people worship, when they praise, they're saying, God, would you please come down? Would you please come down? And God's saying, no, no, no. I need you to come up. Revelation 4 says, come up here and I will show you. 
We're not trying to get God to come down to our level. He's saying, no, when you worship, you will ascend the hill of the Lord with clean hands and a pure heart. And when you ascend, you're going to begin to see it the way that I see it. So I've got great news for you today. Your praise is a weapon of mass destruction against the enemy. And as we worship, as we praise, as we engage internally and express externally, something powerful begins to happen. God takes future victories and future glorious, eternal realities, redemptive realities. And we don't worship from here today going, God, would you please? And he goes, no, no, no. You need to see yourself seated with me in heavenly places right now. And you need to not beg like an orphan. You need to decree like a son. You need to declare like a daughter. And when we position our perspective differently like that, everything changes, y'all. Everything gets unlocked. David was the one who was one of the first to do this. That mug was living in the Old Testament, acting like he was in the New Testament. Why? Because your boy was caught up in such a spirit of worship that he accessed future victories and future realities and he pulled them into a present lower reality. I don't got time yet this morning, yo. Second Chronicles chapter 20, for the, for the sake of time, I'm going to break it down for you in a paraphrase. It's the story of King Jehoshaphat. Y'all know this one. Y'all know they sent the worshipers first. But let me break this down for you a little bit, okay? So Jehoshaphat, the nation is being surrounded by enemy armies. And guys, Jehoshaphat and the whole nation, they were scared. And so the enemy armies are coming in around them. And in the natural, there was no physical way possible that they were going to win this battle because the other armies were just too great in number. There were too many of them. And in the natural, they were done. How many of y'all ever felt like that before? And so Jehoshaphat, he says, now we got to get everybody together and we're going to ask the Lord for help. And here's what happens. Jehoshaphat begins to pray and he says, Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are set upon you. Remember I said, what the enemy wants you to do is look at him. Jehoshaphat tapped in and he said, wait, We're going to lift our vision higher. This is always what the enemy wants you to do. The disciples are looking at the storm. Jesus is looking at the father. He said, Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. And when he said this again, I'm paraphrasing, go look at it afterward. When he said this, the Bible said the spirit of God fell upon a young Levite and the Levite began to prophesy. The Lord is with you. Listen, O nation. Listen, King Jehoshaphat. The Lord has heard your cry and I am with you. Gird yourselves for tomorrow. You will go out and face him and the Lord is with you. As he begins to prophesy, in fact, lift your hands. I need to prophesy that over us today. In the name of Jesus, we declare over you that even though you don't know what to do, it's time to lift your vision higher. It's time to get God's perspective on the situation. And it's time to beseech him for his mercy and his help to break in. And I'm here to declare to you today, gird yourself because whatever's coming against you, the Lord is with you and he will fight for you. The name of Jesus. So here's what happens. The young Levite, the spirit of God falls on him. He prophesies. And here's the crazy part. The Bible says that the spirit fell on him and he began to worship with a loud voice. 
I believe he just began shouting. How many of y'all know that there's breakthrough in your shout? In fact, I need to declare to you something today. Worship and praise is a prophetic declaration against everything that says God cannot. When you, when you worship, when you praise, again, you are accessing, you are tapping into future realities and future victories, and you're pulling them into your present situation. It's not about a goosebump. It's not about a hit song. It's not a blue check on Instagram. It's not about a royalty check. It's not about your preference. It's not about your feelings. This is about his kingdom coming to earth. This is about Jesus's prayer being answered. And this is about heaven and earth coming together in the place of worship. Second Chronicles 20. So the spirit of God falls on this young Levite. He's shouting. And all of a sudden, this spirit of praise goes viral and the whole nation gets swept under this, this praise anointing and the whole nation erupts. And the Bible says that they're just shouting, they're worshiping and a spirit of revelation comes upon Jehoshaphat and he goes, yo, we should do this tomorrow. And they worshiped so hard. They were pouring out their spirits. They were exalting so, so powerfully that Jehoshaphat said, this is our strategy. How many of y'all know that one of the reasons why the enemy wants to, to steal your praise is because he knows when you begin to praise, God releases supernatural strategies to you. You got to awaken your praise. You got to prophesy to your situation. You got to worship. You got to praise like the victory's already happened because guess what? It already has. You just need to pull it in. You just need to pull it in. (laughs) So y'all know the story. They go out to battle. Jehoshaphat sends the worshipers first. And guess what, y'all? Second Chronicles chapter 20. Let's read this verse together. Second Chronicles 20 verse 22. It says this, now when the people begin to praise, the Lord set ambushes against their enemies. And you don't want to shout. And you don't want to dance. And you don't want to sing because it's not really your thing. Fine, stay bound up then. I'm not really that expressive. Fine, stay depressed then. I don't feel like it. My week was rough. I don't feel like it. Fine. Keep your feelings on the throne then. How's that going for you? There is only room for one on the throne of your heart. And whatever is enthroned on your heart, be that fear, be that greed, be that pride, whatever is enthroned on your heart, that's the thing that you give authority into your life. The psalmist said, oh, magnify the Lord with me. When I was a kid, I used to think, isn't he magnificent enough? Like, I I don't get it. But then I began to understand that word magnify. The root word of that is where we get the word magnifying glass. God has put a perspective. Thank you, my bro. At least somebody's connecting with it. God has put a magnifying glass on the inside of your heart. And wherever you choose to point that focus will become magnified in your perspective. Maybe the reason why you're so afraid is because you're just magnifying fear. 
You're magnifying, oh man, this could never happen. You're magnifying unbelief. But the psalmist said, magnify the Lord with me. That means too, it's the classic saying, guys, stop telling God how big your mountain is and start prophesying to your mountain how big your God is. You know, the reason why David, I just, I just got David in my heart this morning. The reason why David could stand against the enemy army. Think about this. The whole nation is terrified of Goliath. You know, the reason why the nation was terrified because they were measuring themselves against Goliath. But David showed up and he goes, what? Is there not a cause? Here's what David did. He changed his perspective. He lifted his vision higher and he said this. Let's measure Goliath against our God. (laughs) So when they begin to praise, when they begin to worship, God sent ambushes against their enemies. Friends, this morning, as we praise, as we worship in your car, at your home, in your time alone, in time corporately, as we worship, as we praise, it's literally pushing back the powers of darkness. This is the highest level of spiritual warfare. It really is. When we enthrone God on our praises, no other throne can stand. When we enthrone the king, no other king can stand. And real quick, let's go to uh, Psalm 149. Let me talk to you all about the high praises. Because how many of y'all know there's praises, but then there's high praises. Hey! I grew up Kojic. Don't get me started. Hey! When people actually, when people find that out, they go, oh, it all makes sense now. Okay. Let me close with this thought here this morning. Okay. Psalm 149. How many of y'all remember, uh, or maybe you still do, anyone in here drive a stick shift car? You know what I'm saying? Some of y'all young people was like, what's that? Back in the day, y'all, you had to, right? And I feel like we're going to see here in a second, as it begins to list the high praises, you start gearing up in first gear. Then you start going to second gear. And then you go to third and you just ramp all the way up until we get to the punchline here. I'm going to show you here in a moment. Psalm 149. Let's look at this together. It says this, praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. Praise him in the assembly of his saints. Let Israel, let the people rejoice in their maker. Do you notice a pattern here? You are never going to see the Bible say, be depressed, oh you people. (laughs) Be anxious, oh you lands. Be fearful, oh you people. No. How many of you know that fear in worship cannot coexist? Anxiety in worship cannot coexist. Come on, depression and worship cannot coexist. Did you know that your joy is a high praise? It says rejoice. Singing is a high praise. Dancing is a high praise. It says sing, dance, praise, rejoice. Let the children of Zion be joyful. Let them praise, verse three, let them praise his name with the dance. Let them praise his name with the harp. It's saying, let the musicians kick it up to level 10. Let's go. Now watch this, verse four, for the Lord takes pleasure in his people. Watch this. He will beautify the humble with salvation. I was saying, Lord, 
you're, you're listing all these high praises here. Why all of a sudden do you talk about humility? And I, and I felt the Holy Spirit say, because sometimes the most humble thing you can do when you don't know what, how you're going to make it the next day, when you don't know what to do, just like King Jehoshaphat, sometimes the, the most powerful thing you can do is humble yourself and worship. And when you do that, he says, I will beautify the humble with salvation. Now watch this. Now we're gearing up gear. Number one, sing gear. Number two, dance gear. Number three, praise gear. Number four, rejoice. And we're ramping up, ramping up, wrapping up verse five. Let the saints be joyful in glory. Watch this. Let them sing aloud on their beds. Come on, lift your hands. I need to declare something over you this morning. The spirit of worship and praise I declare will be so deep. It will go so viral. It will go so deep in your soul that even as you sleep, there will be a part of your heart that is awake, that is reaching. I want to be that kind of worshiper. I want my praise to be like that. Even when I sleep, my heart is singing aloud on my bed. How many of y'all want some of that? Now watch this, watch this, sit down for a moment. Watch this, it says, sing, dance, praise, rejoice, be joyful, cry aloud, even on their beds. Now watch this, verse six, everything changes. It says, after you've done these, here's what's gonna happen. Verse six, it says, let the high praises of God be in their mouths and a two-edged sword in their hands. Woo! Your praise is a weapon of mass destruction against the enemy. But it gets better here, y'all. It says, let the high praises of God be in their mouth, a two-edged sword in their hand. Watch this, to execute vengeance on the nations. How many of you know we don't battle against flesh and blood? But powers and principalities, guys, like I said, the best way to dethrone a power or a principality is to establish a greater power, a greater principality. And when you praise, God takes our spiritual weapons. They are mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds. Now watch this, verse 8. To bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters. Let me, let me again, let, just lift your hands. I got a lot to declare over you this morning. Listen, when you begin to praise, when you begin to worship, God will take the chains that the enemy tried to bind you with, and he'll bind your enemies with them. No, but I don't want to dance. I don't feel like it. I don't want to shout. I don't want to sing. My week was rough. I'm just not very expressive. Fine. Stay in chains. I don't know about you, but I will become even more undignified. Because I understand this, y'all. I get how this works. Verse 9, to execute on them the written judgment. Have you know? The written judgment is the word. And I love this next part. Watch this. This honor have all the saints. You don't have to be a worship leader. You don't have to be a singer. You don't have to be a musician. You just got to love Jesus. And when you love Jesus, it's your honor 
to enthrone him on your praises. It's your honor to see enemies bound up with the chains. Come on. It's your honor to execute vengeance on the nations. It's your honor to be so in love that even as you sleep, your heart will be awake. It's your honor to sing, to dance, to praise, to rejoice, to be joyful, to cry aloud. It's your honor. Because worship isn't about singing and music as awesome as those things are. Worship is about an altar and it's about laying the treasure of our heart upon the altar. Praise and worship isn't about fast songs and slow songs. It's about internal engagement and external expression. Here's what I like to do. Let's all stand this morning. Is it okay maybe to invite the worship team back? And let's go back into that. We come alive in the river because we got to respond. Now that we heard this, we're accountable for it. So we got to respond. Come on, lift your hands as they come. Let's just lift your hands. And I'm a, thank you, man. Yeah. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm actually, I feel this morning, I'm not going to necessarily come around and lay hands on everybody. I feel like the real impartation, the real activation is going to be awakened in your praise this morning. It's been happening all day long. I mean, you guys already carry a spirit of worship in this house, a spirit of worship and deliverance, but guys, it's going to the next level now. It's going absolutely to the next level. It's going to a superior reality, a higher revelation. Come on, lift your hands. Holy Spirit, right now, we release a worship movement out of this house. A shout of praise. Lord, wild, undignified, unapologetic, no fear of man, authentic, spirit and truth. Oh, worship and praise movement come out of this house. I just want to invite you up to the front. Let's just go crazy. We're going to respond. We're going to see this word activated. Come on on down. We're going to come alive. We're going to come alive in the river. Do whatever you need to do. Come on down. Come on down. How many of y'all ready to see this activated in you? As we come and as as we're getting the, the chairs ready, there's one thing I want to do before we kick off. I want you to take somebody by the hand. Come on on the left and on the right. Take somebody by the hand. Come on, just love on somebody real quick. Just love on somebody. Just bless them. Come on, just speak Just speak blessing real quick. Come on, just bless them. Come on, just say you're looking pretty good this morning. <laughs> now here's what I want to do this morning, okay? We're going to do this prophetic act, and then we're going to go into this, this last song this morning. Is this okay, Pastor Malik? All the way. Second Chronicles 20. The Bible says the Spirit of God came upon that Levite, and he began to shout with a loud voice. I believe that when we shout, you know what fear tries to do? Fear tries to cripple you. It tries to keep you quiet. It tries to tell you, no, there's no way. But there's something about a shout 
that prophesies and says, no, God can and God will. So on the count of three, I want us to lift up a shout of praise, of thanksgiving to Jesus. And I know as we do, it's going to be a prophetic sign to the enemy that there's victory in the camp of the Lord. On the count of three, one, two, three, come on, let's shout to God. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Relentless DC Podcast. We'd love to connect with you more. Find us online, including Facebook and YouTube, at Relentless DC. 